0: And so what my goal is this entire summer, is to build your faith to it, to be a summer of faith, to be a summer to stir you up, to get you ready for what God's launching you into in the fall. That you don't come in all weak and tired and oh my goodness and, and walking in condemnation and fear. But that you come into the fall running towards your adversary. Running toward whatever enemy you're fighting, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whatever the enemy is, relationships, that you're running toward it, not running from it. So I just couldn't think of a better series to preach to you than what I'm kicking off today entitled Dangerous Opportunity. Dangerous Opportunities. You, you might as well just share it right now and tell everybody you know on Facebook and Twitter that... If they're down and out, they better just get online and watch us. Just go on Bethel Harvest Church and just share it. Get ready. Just get your phone out and share it. Because I tell you, if you want some people encouraged, just get your phone out and share Bethel Harvest Church's Facebook Live right now. Because tell- I know, I'm not nervous. I know <laughs> something's going to happen in their life today. Praise the Lord. I wouldn't miss a service this summer other than when you already have a planned vacation and then think about it then. Amen. Praise God. You know, the, the term, dangerous opportunity, where it really comes from is there's a, or in my heart, what stirred me up years ago about this term is in the Chinese language, it's used in Proverbs a lot, and, and they use something similar to our word, crisis. But in the Chinese language, there's not just one word for the word crisis. So they apply two words to it. One word is dangerous, and the other word is opportunity. And what I want you to realize that whenever you're facing crisis, and you can face crisis due to good things or bad things, but whenever you're facing crisis, it all determines how you view it, how you see what's in front of you. Because you can look at your obstacles and you can say that is an obstacle or it's an opportunity. You see, whenever someone goes bankrupt, they can just give up on life. They can just, oh, blew it in business, or I lost my job and lost my car and my house and my dog doesn't like me, whatever. And they can go through their entire life and waste the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life over a past what the world would consider a failure. Or you could look at it and say, that was a lesson, an expensive lesson, but I learned what not to do now. I can move forward in what I'm supposed to do. You see, is it an obstacle or an opportunity? And whenever we look at these things in life, whether we're facing sickness and we have to believe, and and even though we're going to the doctor and we're not getting good reports and we got to stand for our health and and we got to look at that, it might be a dangerous time, a crisis time, but are we going to turn it into an opportunity and learn how to walk in faith and learn how to pray at another level, learn how to encourage ourselves like David, that you just stir your own self up. You don't need anybody else to stir you up. It's your choice. Maybe your marriage, man, is on the rocks. Maybe your marriage is just you don't even want to go home and see each other. But you had that first love. And and through the years, things have pulled you away and pushed you apart. Well, let me encourage you this morning. You can look at that as an escape plan. And it's, it's not mean that you're going to just have a better situation. But if you will look at us, man, this is a crisis. we got to focus on it. This is a dangerous opportunity. I could risk being hurt even more. I could risk putting it all out there and being rejected again. But it's also an opportunity. It could transform me and my spouse and give us the greatest marriage that we've ever been a part of, seen. And our children and our children's children may not have to go through what we've had to go through to learn how to live a of marriage. You see, it, it, you can apply it to any area of your life, spiritual, financial, whatever it is, whenever you're facing an obstacle, it becomes, if you see it properly, a dangerous opportunity. You see, the kingdom of God teaches us in Hebrews 11.1, one, now faith, what kind of faith? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the firm conviction of things not seen. And it says in verse 2 that by this, the faith, the elders obtained a good report. Anybody want a good report over your crisis? You want a good report? And this says in verse 3, and that by faith, the worlds were framed by God's command or by... God's word made out the things that are seen in one translation the universe other one the King James New King James says worlds plural talking about age or ages but everything in the universe that is seen was made out of things not seen not visible that's what the verse says So we see that the worlds through faith or by faith, the worlds were made, the universe was made by the command or the word of God out of things and everything that is visible was made out of things that are not seen. Now go back to verse one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what things what? Not seen. Well, I just don't see how, you know, they're being good to me. Well, that's not where your faith should be. Your faith should be in what you don't see and you need to happen. Well, I just don't see, you know, I keep getting looked over and I don't get the promotion. Well, well, you're focused on the obstacle, not the opportunity. You should be saying, man, how am I going to make myself better where they can't look over me anymore? Or maybe God's going to open a whole other career up. I don't know. Or, you know, or I just don't really seem to get the attention I need in my ministry, in my life, and whatever. Well, first of all, you don't need any attention. It's, sh- 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 it's not about you. Because they they asked Jesus and they said, "What is the greatest command?" He said, "Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul." And the second one is like in it. What like it? Love your what neighbor? as yourself. Could, 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 could you put your retirement plan in the hands of your neighbor? Could, could, could you give your resources? to How much do you love your neighbor? See, see, we got to understand that it's not about us. And the more you make it about you, then that's the more you have to fight on your own instead of, instead of fighting the good fight of faith, which means God is fighting on my behalf instead of me fighting on my behalf. So as we look at this series, I'm just kicking it off today and open it up for you. So we're talking about going from obstacles to opportunities, the dangerous opportunities. I can't think of really anyone better to kind of kick it off. I'm going to look at some different characters throughout the series. I'm going to kick it off with really the the scripture that frames it all is is from the life of Paul, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about David today, and then we'll we'll just wrap things up. But. I want you to realize that no matter what opportunities are open to you, there will always be two things. Adversaries and obstacles to overcome. Anytime God opens a door, there will always be two things present. Well, I'm getting a promotion. Well, as soon as you get the promotion, you have to go through obstacles and adversaries to get it. And then when you get the promotion, you got to face obstacles and adversaries to keep it and to get promoted again. So no matter where you're at in your well, you know, our marriage just gets tougher and tougher. Yeah, it's supposed to. The, the, the key is you're supposed to grow to where it's not tough to you anymore. Well, you know, my, my, my job just keeps getting tougher. Well, if you will grow, you'll outgrow that job and another one will open up to you. Well, you know, my kids, it's just getting tougher and tougher to raise them. Well, maybe they're more mature than you are. Maybe they figured you out years ago and they work you so easily now that you wouldn't let anyone else work you like they work you and they're so young. They figured you out because you stopped growing. Well, Why dare you say I stopped growing? Well, have you read any parenting books? Have you researched anything? Or are you just going by what mama and grandma said and that was good for a while? Thank God for wisdom, but you got to keep growing yourself. You got to get a word for yourself, say myself. So let's look at this, if we want to walk in this uh, these dangerous opportunities and go to the next level of whatever God wants us to do and be a blessing to him and to others, we're gonna have to kind of walk like Paul. Look at me in 1 Corinthians 16. I'll read verses five through nine to you. This is here, Paul says, Now I will come to you talking to the Corinthian church, which he had birthed a number of years earlier. This is kind of toward the end of Paul's ministry. They were whining and crying and sent, sent letters to him, and people went to him and said, You know, we, you just need to get here, and we got this issue, and we got that problem, and what are we going to do with these key questions about. Sexual immorality and marriage and finances and 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 uh, spiritual gifts and all of these things. It was it was an interesting thing. Is this a, a list of about five or six key things? But the main thing was they were really pouting because he wasn't there. Uh, you know what are you doing down there in you know Ephesus and Macedonia and wh- why are you not up here with us? We're the rich prosperous church and you know we're the ones with the gifts and the power. I mean. Shouldn't you be here with us? And he said, Paul said, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia. For I'm passing through Macedonia. And, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. Saying, look, I, I may just spend the whole winter, half a year or whatever, with you. I'm wanting to get through Macedonia because that's what God told me to do. But I, then want, i I got to do this other thing. Then I'll get to spend more time with you. What? that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. In other words, I'm going to spend my winter with you and then you invest back in my life so I can invest in other people's life in another location. And it says, verse 7, For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. In other words, I'm going to do what God says and I really want to spend a long time with you, not just a weekend or a week or a month. I want to spend a long time with you. Verse 8 but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Until Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks is over. Now here's the key verse that I'm really building this whole series off of, verse nine. He said, for a great and effective or effectual, in the New King James, for a great and effective or effectual door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. You see, you got to go back really in the book of Acts in chapter 19 and other places you start reading what was going on during this time in Paul's life. Paul was only going to spend one year in Ephesus because Ephesus was another growing trade city and and it was uh, established too by the Romans. And he was really wanting to to, to break through the, the strongholds of witchcraft and spiritual perversions and all these immoralities and mindsets and bring them to Christ. But he ended up staying there three years. And he had done something similar in Corinth, the the Corinthian churches. And here Paul is now. He's like, if the Lord permits, I'll I'll come on and do this. But he said, I am facing, what? He said, I am facing uh, adversaries. And he said, not only adversaries, but great doors of opportunities have opened to me now that's the same time period when Paul and Silas remember in Acts 19 when when they were just preaching the gospel everywhere and the anointing was so strong and even before nineteen, chapter 19 Paul was uh, preaching it says in the synagogues and to the crowds and then he went house to house and multitudes were following him and he was winning people to God establishing a church there and he was discipling people house to house I mean it was a great move of God it was so strong that, that the, the anointing was so strong on Paul, that that his handkerchiefs were so anointed, he would just give them to people, or people would get them and send them to family members, and they would get healed. There was just crazy miracles and manifestations, and in one location, he was preaching so long in a house that a gentleman fell out of the roof and was killed instantly off the roof, and and Paul just went down and prayed, and he got back up and and kept on preaching, and the guy was resurrected right there and didn't even break Paul's rhythm on his message. It it was just crazy miracles. What did he say? The door, the Amplified says that the doors of have opened wide with opportunity. Man, wide opportunities. You see, if all you ever see is your adversary, if all you ever see is your obstacle, you'll never enjoy your opportunities. Because there's always going to be an adversary waiting wherever you have an opportunity. Because you were born into a cursed world. You were born into a world that has fallen. You were born into a world where Satan, the Bible says, is the god of this world. But we give too much attention to Satan because the Bible says as years go on, he grows dimmer and dimmer. In other words, Satan Satan is getting weaker as he gets older. But the problem is instead of the church growing and getting stronger, we seem to be getting dim and weaker as well. It's kinda of like you say, well, those kids are just wearing me down. They're not wearing you down. You just haven't charged yourself up. Quiet and hold. I told you I was gonna encourage you. I mean, it may not feel like encouragement, but it is, I promise you. And and, and we gotta stir up the faith of God in us. We gotta stir up his spirit. We gotta stir up his power. You know, you know, that's one thing about me. I'm not the smartest, the brightest, the quickest, or any of that stuff. But but you know what? I don't usually give up. It might take me a while, but I'll fight. And I'll fight for weeks, months, or even years or decades. I'll just keep fighting. No matter what people think, I'll just keep pushing. I'll keep pressing because I know the call that's on my life and I'm not gonna let anything or anyone, they might distract me for a season or discourage me for a season, but if I'll just get refocused on the opportunities that are open wide to me, I'll just step right over top of the obstacles. And God wants that for you. He wants you to rise up this summer and just be happy. Wouldn't that be great if you just woke up in a good mood one day? I mean, ask your kids. They they wait to see what your kind of mood you're in when you either get up or you either get home from work to see if it's gonna be a good day or not. What if you just were in a good mood? What what if you were happy in spite of your circumstances or situations today? Your obstacles. You see, that's why fear, F E A R, false evidence appearing real, is the opposite to faith. Because faith is knowing and trusting God. Fear is fearing the unseen, things that haven't even happened yet and may never happen. Faith is believing and receiving the good things that haven't happened yet and that haven't been seen yet. And you got a choice am I going to take what's in the unseen door behind curtain fear or the unseen curtain faith? You see, God said, this day you choose whom your God shall be. You choose. It's your decision. And when you make these decisions, you've got to realize today you're the sum total of every decision you've ever made. And when we make a decision to become a Christ follower, when we make a decision to give our life to Christ, what happens then? We become adopted or engrafted into his family. We are what? The Bible says born again. And 2 Corinthians five seventeen says you become a new creature or creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. In other words, everything in your life, you should look at it with a new look or a new attitude or a new perspective well I'm dealing with an addiction well are you gonna just look at that addiction and say it's beat you are you gonna get some help some assistance and get your faith stirred up and find out how you can approach your addiction and have a happy attitude that I will even though I'm failing in this daily before long I won't be failing in it daily it'll be weekly and before long I won't ever fail in it again I'll be walking in another realm over my obstacle Say, well, you know, just those those people who are addictive, I feel so sorry for them. Well, do you know worry is an addiction? I mean, the greatest thief of your power is worry. Well, you know, I don't know. What if I'm not fired up enough? What if I'm too fired up? What if I'm too excited about God or I'm not excited about God? What what if I've got this great call in my life, or what if I'm not really saved and I just think I am? I mean, oh man, we just got a financial increase, a financial breakthrough. But yeah, you know, what if the economy ends next month and we go broke? Oh, Lord. You know, you, you got to make a decision to have what your perspective is going to be. That no matter what, at the end of the book, you win. Even if you die early, you just beat other people to heaven. You can't lose. It's a stacked deck, it's a rigged system, it's a rigged game. So what is it to you? Is it an obstacle or just a dangerous opportunity? What is that crisis in your life? Why is everybody always picking on me? Probably because you make yourself the biggest target and the easiest target that they don't have to work to pick on you. You probably criticize yourself enough to make it easy for them to chime in. Preacher, you know, I just came today and you just seem like you're picking on me. You just seem a little harsh today. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad at the devil for having victory over God's children. I'm just upset. I'm, I've got, you can call it righteous anger anger, or what. I don't really what you care what you got. I'm just ticked off. I'm mad. I'm angry that Satan has convinced the church that we deserve what we have and what we get. It's time to rise up and look at these obstacles and turn them into dangerous opportunities, put them under our feet, and put someone else on our shoulder and carry them over the finish line with us. We got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm trying to get through my opening. We'll see. You know, there in verse 8 it says, for a great and effective or effectual door. The word effective is the word in the Greek language, energeo, and energeo, just to kind of break it out, I don't want to get into all this, but it is a power word, it's an energy word, it's an authority word, and it really is made up of three words, it's a power that is active, operative, and powerful, active, operative, and powerful, so in other words, the word effectual is a word of movement, Well I'm just going to tarry, tarry doesn't mean you just sit there and shut your mind and everything off, tarry means that you're moving cautiously while God is downloading to you to make you effective or effectual, to make you active, to make you his operative, to make you powerful. You see the word powerful comes from the word dunamis, dunamis power the power of the spirit. Dunamis means means to too many. It means to break or annihilate a stronghold or annihilate something with the dunamis power of God like a dynamite exploding something, annihilating it. And it also means a transfer of power or energy, authority. It means to, to build something up or to bring a new source of power or energy to a situation. So maybe there's some things you need to power up in your life on. There's some things you need to to annihilate in your life and you've been trying and can't do it, so how about trusting God that he can do it through you? And there's been some things you need some new energy and a transfer of power or a new mindset or a new authority or a new passion, a new fire, a new hunger, whatever that is, and you just need to turn that over so God can not only help you annihilate things that need to be broken in your life, there's relationships you need to annihilate, yeah. You just need to get out of them, get away from them. There's other relationships that can bring power and transfer good things in your life and you need to be equipped with that. So you need to become an operative for God. You see, that's what Paul was. He was an operative for God. He was planted by God in in a tough situation in Ephesus and in a tough situation in Corinth. And, And he operated and put God first, and other people first, and now we're talking about him over 2,000 years later. The the other word there, if you look at it, it says, uh, says, for a great effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. It didn't say or many adversaries. It didn't say good or bad. It didn't say win or lose. It didn't say You know, no pain, no gain. No, 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 no. It said, with this great opportunity, there are many adversaries that I got to deal with. And whenever we look at that word adversaries, you think about what Paul had to deal with when he was thrown in jail in Acts 19 with Silas was beaten and thrown in jail. But God shook the jail, didn't he? God shook their situation because even when they were beaten and had stripes on them, beaten with whips and chains, and even though they were thrown in the bottom of the cell, he and Silas began to praise God. And when they began to praise God, the Bible says that the whole place shook like an earthquake and broke loose. I want you to realize that that when you, you praise is a form of prayer. I call it a praise prayer. You know what it is? It's Thanksgiving. When I begin to give God a praise, even though I have I'm, you know, I, I I have no vocal ability at all to sing or anything, no rhythm, no timing, no, 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 nothing, no pit, pitch. Isn't that something you do in baseball? I used to do that, but I, I can't have a pitch with my, hear a pitch or whatever it is. No, 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 no. I can drink of a pitcher, but I, I can't, no, I don't have a pitch to sing with or, to, no, 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 no. But what I do have in me is greater than anything happening to me or around me. Because my Bible said that spirit in me that's of God is greater than anything in this world. Greater is he who is in me than he, the adversary, who is in this world. See, you, you make these commitments and get fired up and you just stir up the devil and then you weenie out again. And when you wimp out, then it's like, oh no, don't, you know, you stood up to the bully one week and next week you're back cowering down and the bully's just beating your brains out. He don't even have to whoop you. You're beating yourself. Saying, is that good enough? Maybe you don't have to pick on me no more, devil. I'll just put myself down. But when you begin to rely on his power, when you begin to rely on his promise, when you begin to rely on his authority, you will turn those attacks from the adversary into energy for you. You will turn what was meant for harm for good in your life. You will turn the tables on Satan himself when you turn it over to God when you turn it over to your father. You see, you you rarely ever see me come in this house and not worship. I mean, it'd be a lot easier to just sit over and read my notes and and get them a little more in me. You know, I get up every Sunday, 6.30, 6.45 at the latest. I study, and I'm always late getting here in the back, and it's because I always find another nugget or I'm changing something, and I just can't It's like you just can't leave it, you know. I got got seven pages of notes. I'm not even through the first half of a page yet, and I I just get more and more. Why? Because it's filling me up. It's building me up. But it would be nice to, you know, sit here and have everything just ready. No, no, no. But I know that I got to praise him. I know that I got to worship him. Because if I cannot worship him publicly, how can I worship him privately? If I can't praise him publicly and give thanks to him publicly, what good is my private praise? Well, you know, I love you, God. We'll talk about that when I get in the car. Now, that's not helping your neighbor. Now, I'm not saying you got to praise like me, I'm not saying you even got to stand up. I'm talking about having an attitude and a heart of praise and worship. And I tell you, if you have the attitude and the heart of praise and worship, before long you'll be, ooh, ooh, something going on. Now. Ooh, 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 I can't. I'm sitting up. I, 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 I'm just, ooh, 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 ooh oh, 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 oh. Oh, I just, I did no, I didn't. I, I, not me, no. I said I'd never do that. before long why wouldn't you do that well one of two reasons one of three reasons either you don't believe it so you don't get excited about it or number two you don't feel like it well you know spiritual things have nothing to do with your feelings it's not a Barry Manilow gospel it's not feelings Whoa, 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 feelings. Told you I had no pitch. I can say some things there, but I'm not going to about Barry. But anyway, so, so, so you know, it's, it's not about what you feel. It's about who you know. And when you start getting your mind focused on him and who he is and what he's done for you and what he can do for you, and you start getting excited about that. I mean, you know, it's like, you, you don't have no problem jumping when your favorite college team's playing. You know, you have no problems you guys jumping when, you know, when your favorite NBA team's playing or NFL team, you don't have no problem then. You'll paint yourself blue down there at Rupp Arena, but, but you won't even squirm in a worship service. And you're nervous because it's time to get out. I got something to do after church. Listen, if you're focused already on what you're doing after church, no wonder you're depressed. No longer you're worrying. No wonder your relationships are this or that. Because if I, if I can't take an hour or two out of my day on the a, a Sabbath and dedicate my mind to I mean, you, you can have dinner with your children every night, but if you're not there, even though you're there, they know it. But we act like God doesn't know it. Oh, check that off, my list, Lord. Woo, now I can go do what I need to do. He said, Well, you were doing what you need to do before you even left the building. Now you do all you want to do. Do all your strength and all your might. And you're tough, big girl. You're tough, big boy. Just have a ball. It's all about you. Well, you're going to give it to me. You're going to surrender to me. You're going to let me have that career. Are you gonna let me have that spouse? Are you gonna let me have those kids? Are you gonna let me have that health situation? Are you gonna let me have that financial situation? Are you gonna let me have that spiritual walk, that calling, that ministry? Are you gonna let me have it or are you gonna keep fondling around and messing it up? Well, my life's just a mess. It's because it's your life. Dead men don't have a life. Dead women don't have a life. If I'm born again, I'm dead in Christ. And my hope is in his glory, not in me. <laughs> yeah, you know, in Matthew's gospel it says that the servant is not above his master. Jesus said this. He said, "I didn't come to be served. I came to be a servant to all. Well, you know, they could just like, you know, keep my seat ready for me on Sunday. I don't know what the issue is. Or, you know, I don't know why, you know, they don't tweak the times a little better to fit my schedule. Or why do they have to sing that long? Why do they have to take offerings that long? Why do they have to preach that long? My goodness, don't, if they would just keep their time, just da-da-da-da-da-da, da -da 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 we would be dead. If we don't re- leave room for God, you can find churches all over this city like that that, that don't leave room for God, but we will re- re- always leave room for God. And it can look unorganized to you, maybe because you're just not in the spirit. Maybe, just maybe, you're into you. Ooh, man, shouldn't have given me a microphone. You give me a microphone, I get a little headset, you know, different, little microphone, I go, ooh, a preach comes on, man. I'm not. I'm not saying this to get you mad at me. I'm not saying this to get you mad at your career, your job, or your friends, your kids, your dog, your spouse. I, I'm saying this to get you mad at the devil. So he stops stealing and killing in your life. He stops being a thief in your life. That he he'll keep trying. But Jesus said, Satan comes, John 10 10 Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what I come to what? Give life. And give life more abundantly. God's a giver. He first gave his son so that even people that would turn their back and curse him would have an opportunity. And you're going to sit there and put God on a schedule. You, you wake up in the morning and really have a preference? Uh, okay, um, we must be in a different kingdom. You had a preference whether you could go to church or not. Well, you, we must be in a different kingdom. Woo, preacher, you're kind of hard on us. We're all here this morning and people on Facebook, and we, we we're here to watch too. We're just, I want you to get mad. My goal is not for you to get mad at me. But I'm used to it. I got big shoulders. I could preach the most amazing sermon ever, and I'd have nine out of ten people. Oh, Pastor, is great. Now I have one. Okay. See you, Pastor. Ooh. I just preach all sweetie, sweetie stuff. Ooh. There'd be one. I don't think the verb was where the adverb should have. I think that the noun should have been. Your problem is you're thinking. Just trust God. Faith is just... Knowing and trusting God. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Knowing and trusting. No, but you don't understand. Knowing and trusting God. Yeah, but what if they? No, 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 no. Knowing and trusting God. Yeah, but what if no No, 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 no. Knowing and trusting God. But what if it don't? No, 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 no. Knowing. Trusting God. But wh- wh- what about next? No no, 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 Knowing and trusting God. Not a personality or personalities. Not a group or a building or an organization. But knowing and trusting God. That's what we're here to do. And if we know him and trust him, we'll hear him. And if we hear him, we have a decision to make—to obey that voice. And if we obey that voice, we'll see more and more fruit, and more and more opportunities come our way. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. I just want you this summer. I want you to rest too. I want. I I even told our staff, I mean, you know, we're already like a third of the staff we need right now. But I'm like, still, I want you to find time this summer just to get some hours, get some times, get some days, get get some time just to get recharged. Because come mid-August, we're going to be running like crazy. We're launching a bunch of stuff, schools and different things. We launched our college ministry three weeks ago. And we're averaging right at 50 every Sunday night, right between mid-40s every Sunday night in our new college ministry. Ree's killing it. It starts at 5 on Sundays down here, fellowship and playing ball, hanging out, and then at 6 the service starts. and They're out of here and going by 8.30. We've already got set up. Our team's got set up for the college ministry, and they have food and hang out from 8.30 to 9, and they go into their service, and it's worship and preaching and then table talks, and people don't leave till probably 11.15, 11.30. They don't want to leave. And we got certain members of our team that are here out there doing a car wash for Reed right now. To help raise the money for students that there's still a few that need to go that that, that don't have the money to go. and We're trying to help them. We've helped do- over a dozen already, but they're trying to help them so they can go with us to the Ocoee trip Thursday and to be ministered to every night while they get to have fun during the day. And and they're out there doing that, and they'll be here setting up for the 5 o'clock thing and getting it ready and ministering to all the, you know, 80 to 100, 110 students middle school, high school there and then they'll have about 30 minutes to get tables, transition, cleaned up and ready for the college ministry and start ministering with them and they're not really, I don't think but maybe two or even part time paid staff but they're crazy Shh, don't, don't, they're crazy I didn't say goofy, they're cr- I said crazy they're crazy they're crazy about God and they're crazy about their neighbor and they sacrifice. And you say, Well, you you've brainwashed them. No, you need to take it up with Big Daddy. I don't I don't have that ability. If I did, I'd already brainwashed you. You've been like, Yes, here's the keys to my car. Yes, here's my money. Yes, I will clean the building eight hours a day, every day for you. I don't have the ability to do that. If I did, I'd do it because you know, I'm human like you. God's brainwashed them into his image and into his likeness. So even if you don't have time to get your car washed, go over there and drop a 20 on them. I got 40 bucks back there. If they don't even wash my stuff's car, I said, just give it to them. Because if they believe in it that much, we should believe in it that much. Thank you for one amen. It's wonderful. So we believe in them. Hallelujah. I know I'm over I done went through the 10-minute mark, the five-minute mark, started the five-minute mark over and I went through it, because I love you that much. I just want to pray. You say, man, I'm ready for this summer, even though my goal is to slow down some, but I'm ready to stir my faith up this summer. I want this to be a summer that I come through not weak, not tired, or not just numb. I, I want to come through this summer energized in my faith in Christ. If that's you, just stand up. I want to pray for you. You just want your faith to go to another level this summer. Your faith, your love, your power. You just want to go to another level. I'm telling you, the anointing's right here. Just raise your hands and receive it right now. Right now. Father, I just thank you for those watching online. God, I thank you for those right here today and those serving around this property right now, this 19-acre property all over it serving. I, I thank you for every one of them, Father. I thank you for your faith, your hope, and your love. Thank you for your promises that are greater than anything we will ever face, have faced, could face. And I thank you that we win. We understand that the devil can't do anything to rob us from you, to get you to ignore us or to let to give up on us. Father, you said that we are born with a must, we, we When we give our life to you, we have a mustard seed of faith that can grow into a huge tree. And you also said we have a gift of faith available. God, I pray right now to stir up your gift of faith in every person under the sound of my voice. God, that you just set them on fire. Set them on fire, God, for you. That, God, we walk in crazy faith. That, God, this is a summer of crazy faith. This is just a summer. It don't matter what the topic we're preaching. It'll just come back somehow to stir our faith up. It'll stir up the promises of God, the hope of God, the faith of God. God, that we just know and trust you. I come against a mindset that would always look at the negative. Not that we don't need to look at the negative, evaluate it, make a decision, and then get refocused on the positive. we got to deal with the negative, but we shouldn't live there. I break hopelessness right now. And fear and worry and addiction and intimidation. I break it in Jesus' name. I loose your promises, your faith, your hope, your love. Stir up in them, Lord. Stir up in them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a big shout of praise, come on. Give God a big shout of praise.